Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the enigmatic elephant not in the room, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. In a world where being inundated with information from the internet is commonplace, you need a source of information you can trust. And that, my friend, is the World Trumpet Federation. If you're not thinking WTF when you go looking for trumpet stuff online, you're doing it wrong. Why wade through all the shirtless high notes, elk-horned maynard wannabes, and snake compression oil salesmen when all you really have to do is go to www.worldtrumpetfederation.com for the truth about trumpet. Home to the Open Bell podcast and so much more, WTF was created to serve you, our trumpet-playing colleagues from around the world. And hey, if you want direct access to us, just email us, theopenbell at gmail.com. We love viewer mail, and who knows, you may just end up on the podcast. And by Dylan Music. If the Open Bell podcast had a patron saint, his name just might be Steve Dylan and his fantastic team out of Dylan Music in Woodbridge, New Jersey. It's like a hotline for trumpet players who need gear, advice, or just a sympathetic ear regarding your upper register woes. These guys do it all. If you can't make the pilgrimage to the promised land, then just pick up the phone and call 732-634-3399 and introduce yourself to Jim McCombs and tell him the boys of the Open Bell sent you. You can also ask for Perry Sutton, who is standing by ready to customize your mouthpiece, provide golf tips, or share his latest recipe. Of course, you can always go to www.dylanmusic.com and use the promo code OPENBELL5 for you to get 5% off of all your accessories. And hey, with cold and flu season upon us, it's time to stockpile valve oil and slide grease for the long winter ahead. Dylan Music, musicians helping musicians since 1992. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to elicit, elide, and elaborate information that we believe is essential for enthusiastic trumpeters and engaged cornetists. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week is brought to you by Chop Saver, that perfect all-natural lip treatment created by the one and only Dan Gosling. You know, it really doesn't matter where I go, Chop Saver's with me. On a plane, in a car, on a tram, Sam I am. But what, what I'm really what about, saying... What about in a box or with a fox <laughs> what i'm really saying is when i travel I, i'm comforted by the idea that chop saver is with me like recently almost heaven west virginia oh wow. Blue Ridge mountains shenandoah river life is old there older than the trees younger than the mountains growing like a breeze country roads take me home to the place i belong mm-hmm. west virginia mountain mama mountain take mama. me home yep country roads Holy moly. You How went all that, the way huh? there. All the way there. I was it was a bit of a dare. I don't nope. know if you caught this or not. No, no. Was, you you rose to the occasion. I did. <laughs> <laughs> bit of a dare on Facebook and Joey's yep. thread and so yep. I went for it. Now it's in there. But the good news is, whether you're in West Virginia, no matter where you are, the promo code works. Promo code. Use your promo code Bell to get fifteen percent off your order at www.chopsaver.com. 
And now the John Denver of the Open Bell, <laughs> Brian Appleby Weinberg. I am also a terrible pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wow, wow. He's got a better, wow. hair, he's got a better haircut. <laughs> that de-escalated quickly. Yeah, sure. Descended quickly, I think Descended is what you meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. <laughs> wow. And is what, it too soon? Uh, Come on. I can't see I can't see my screen is so dark in here. <laughs> More than forty oh my years. God. Oh. Yeah, All right, Brian. What do you have a, for us? That was a little I while had... ago. I mean, that was oh my gosh, that was twenty six years ago. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He goes to the internet fast. Like the second yeah. year I was here. He's it's right there in front of him. Yes, yeah. it is. At all times. I, I had a, I had somebody call me out after the podcast from this the one that Uh oh. Yeah, last week. I love and the, this. And the call out was how come your go to is a WIC four? It's a good call out. We we I, called you out. Bill called you out on the I podcast. Realized, Please. Yeah. And I realized that I think that's my initial go to, but once I'm actually in then I say, okay, now we're going to talk about the real mouthpiece you have to buy, and you have to invest in the Picket British. And I, it's a good piece. Are you saying the Wick Four is a gateway mouthpiece to the Picket? I'm saying that the <laughs> Wick Four is a gateway. <laughs> Once you're in, and you're in that Here, sound, first just one's, try this. First one's yep. free. First one's free. <laughs> first one's free. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I actually, it's true. I have a couple of Wick 4s here <laughs> and I will give them out. And yeah, this is what you want to use. And well, then when they're like, yeah, I really like this. Okay, now here's something a little bit better. Now mm -hmm. get your wallet out. And this is, you got to try one of these. <laughs> right. And here's the website. Here's Peter's website. They'll send it to you. It's pretty quick. And yeah. And so I, I want to acknowledge um, the person who called me out. That was Bonnie. And um, mm -hmm. Bonnie. Mm -hmm. good job, mm -hmm. Bonnie texted me and said, what are you doing? So, yeah, it's true. It is a gateway mouthpiece is the WIC four. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's important. And the, but but ultimately, your goal is to get them on the picket British. Yes. British Cup. You, well, then you're actually, all the you're sold. You're you're, you're welcome. ATFI then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're Joey all has some there. tangential relationship to the picket. I can't remember <laughs> what it is. But. Well, that was Holy before. <laughs> it was before he was really into the brass banding thing. He That's didn't right. even know anything well, about it then. He had no idea what he was doing. Right. So there's no way he could have really been involved with it. That's How right. could I possibly help? Right. <laughs> no. You're right. What no. could I possibly know? I Thanks would just like to say that it was my mouthpiece that led to the discovery <laughs> of the picket British brass <laughs> cornet cup. Right? Oh, my gosh. You people are impossible. It's fantastic. I don't even remember. You know, there's no record of him actually being involved. So It's on the website, I mean, no, and that no means it didn't happen. No record anywhere. Yeah, or, or of, no. of, of the mouthpiece actually Peter plays on his E-flat cornet right now, right. for so example. There's no, no, there's no record, record of, of anyone being involved aside from well, Peter. You're right. claiming influence over that as well. Claiming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! Wow. I'm He's gonna have to start wearing a GoPro everywhere I go now. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! See, body cam at ITG. Exactly. <laughs> Joey, I have evidence. <laughs> no, I was there. Yeah. Roll the footage, please. Can we go back and check that? Yes. Oh my God! Just keep right. hard drives with dates on them. I <laughs> love this conversation so That's much, right. but Joey, what do you, what do you have for us? Well. I don't know if we were going to talk about this weekend at all. I was hoping we would. Oh, we definitely have to. Well, I'm not talking about the weekend because there was no cornet involved. 
Well, that's that your own fault. Was yeah, lame. You can't write a cornet on a fanfare. We, we knew yeah. the we knew the composer. Right. <laughs> Still and, no cornet. And, you're right. welcome. You're welcome. So this past weekend, the three of us and and Dr. Scott Belk uh, went to Weston, West Virginia. Yep. For the yep. inauguration of our very good friend, the very Reverend President uh, uh, Professor Doctor James, James Moore, Moore, PhD, who, who has now become PhD twentieth president of West Virginia Wesleyan College. Congratulations, so I Dr. Think we, Moore. I think we kind of started joking with him, saying, well, obviously, well, you'll need us for that. And a few months ago, he said, so you you, you guys will come, right? And of course, oh, yeah. yes, of course, we're we were going to be there. Yeah. But there is a, there's a, there's a very trumpety part of this. And this is, as we're going to later get into my pedagogy, I just want to give you a little insight into why I do what I do. Mm. And it came in the very first night. So uh, Scott and I drove in there early because a, a Pittsburgh jazz orchestra was playing. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So this is great. Are you doing this? Uh, yes. Uh, of course he's doing this. Do- Dr. Dr. Moore had said to us. <laughs> Scott will hey. never hear it. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Dr. Moore said to us, hey, why don't you guys, you and Scott come and sit in with the band. It'll be great. Uh, we always need too many trumpets because he's, he's going to, he was soloing a bunch and the, and the, and the Pittsburgh jazz orchestra has a, 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 you know, a full band going. So uh, I get there, and I was talking with the lead player. Very nice cat. Actually, sounds dynamite. And I said, hey, it's your gig. Do whatever you want. I'm happy to play, not play whatever you want. He was very generous, gave me a couple charts to play. But we got to this one piece. (laughs) And this one piece that had two French horn parts. So he handed me to that. Uh Uh-oh. In B-flat, right? Yeah. No. Uh, No. They're French French horn parts, so I grabbed my flugelhorn. And uh, Scott said, what are we doing here? And I said, (laughs) standard rules apply. What horn are you holding? A B-flat horn. How do you get from B-flat to F? You go down a fourth. So you just read everything down a fourth. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> <laughs> he bailed immediately. I, bailed. I, I read, this is in the rehearsal, like the sound check. Um, so I read the, the French horn part, which was really more with the trombones. So, the, so when I finished, the trumpet section seemed, I don't know, mildly surprised at what had just gone down. And they What is happening me, over there? They kind of told me that what I was doing is not really a thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I maintain this is we're going to get to this. I want to be able to do whatever might be called upon, and I will tell you this is not the first time this has happened to me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this happened to me with Rob Parton's band years ago. We were playing with Lou Soloff at ITG in Lexington. Ding, he, ding, Luke, ding, ding. Lou came into the ding. rehearsal. We're reading. He says, "Where's the French horn part?" And Rob had told him, you didn't send us any French horn parts. He pulls it out of his bag, hands it back. They hand it to me. I pull out my flugelhorn, and I read the French horn part. And one of my good friends in the section at the time said, yeah, I wouldn't believe that unless I'd seen it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a oh, I believe it. I sat next a, to it. He was a North Texas guy who, who grew up playing almost exclusively commercial stuff and never really done a lot of transposition. He's like, sure, step up, stand out. Sure, fine. But <laughs> reading, like, solo lines down a fourth, I'm like, but this is part of it. This is so, part of what's out there. Down a fourth, hand in the bell, miss a lot of notes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's chippy, the best chippy, part. Chippy. That's just frack all over the that's place. That's the pedagogy is right there. <laughs> Left handed, you know, right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Dump but it was, water but all over I the will floor. say, uh, other than uh, obviously that part, but it was a great event. I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Jazz Orchestra sounded dynamite. Mike Tamara leading the group with all his arrangements and, and compositions, which were amazing. Uh, Dr. Moore, you know, there's no question he's the swinginest college president 
of oh, all time. It's not close. Like that, that's over. It's not close. But no. here's the thing. He sounds great. Like mm-hmm. you would think, well, he's been president, interim president for a while. Maybe he's getting a little rusty. A little nope. No. Nope. Sounds like he a million bucks. Always on it. And then the next yeah. day, then uh, all of us played. Uh, we did the prelude with the organist there. We did uh, Bill's new fanfare, which was awesome. Did a little postlude thing. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was great. It was just well, great. You know. And speaking of transposition, Brian and I had a discussion about that on the way out in the car, because right, they're yes, all C trumpet did. parts, which I'm thrilled about after our last fiasco playing piccolo <laughs> trumpets. Fair enough. And he's like, "So you like you like reading in bass clef?" I was like, "I love reading in bass clef." C trumpet oh, part, yeah. Add three flats, read in bass clef. He's on. I'm in. home. I love it. Okay. Can, can we like talk a little? Notes. Can we talk a little bit more about? Joey's ridiculousness at this event. So the Thursday night, Joey's playing lead in the big band. Did you play any solos? You didn't have to. No, I didn't play any solos. No, no. I, I, I played a couple of charts of lead, and I played the one chart on, on flugelhorn when I played the French horn part. Yep. So then on Friday, when we go to rehearse. Inauguration day. Joey plays bass on Bill's piece. Right. Mm-hmm. Piccolo. Right. On the fr- Immediately on the after. On the- on the, on, the pre- prelude. on the prelude, yeah, and then C trumpet on the outlude, on the, on on the, the outlude. post postlude, the outlude, outlude, postlude. <laughs> Words have meaning. Like that's, it is. I funny think a lot of we, people are right. That's not really a thing. We didn't play a ton, but I did play five different instruments. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't really think about that that much, but it was it it's was kind of really re- good. I drove away and from that great event and transposed yeah. on two of them. Uh, correct. Yes. Because the pick parts were C parts. C we parts. played an A really pick on C trumpet parts. Yeah. yeah. No, you don't really think about that because that's just what you do on that horn. That's well, right. yeah, most of the time you're on piccolo, you're transposing. And right. I don't actually think add three flats. I think change the key signature. So, The yeah. only thing you didn't do was drop the drop the bass and then play a double C on the B flat at some point <laughs> in some chart. Which eight bars true. later. Which we could have done on the alma mater. I, I but no. We, well, next time. But, but no, Man. we'll do that for his uh, his first anniversary. We'll go back. I think that's I did like it there. Idea. It's a beautiful campus. Oh, it's the, a very the nice Bobcats. They have a strong yeah. commitment to orange, but uh, yes. it's, it's very really, strong. It's really good. Yeah, yeah I think no, schools with swag. It was great all the way around. Yeah, we got some good swag. Yeah, we schools did. with yeah. that color usually go for it. It is you know. true. Oklahoma State does that. Illinois does that. Yep. Syracuse, Brace Clemson. It. I think yeah. in Stillwater, Oklahoma, the the hydrants, water, the fire hydrants are painted orange. Are they really? I think so. That's awesome. I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bill, what do you got for us today? Well, I was going to talk about inauguration, but you well, but I figured go. you'd yeah, bring get it on up. on in there, yeah. It was fantastic. It was. It was great. It was just really cool. Very yeah. happy for James. You know, you're in a place like that, and you see, because I've been aware of his journey the whole way through from when he's like, should I be a department chair? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you should try that. Yeah. Provost? No offense, really? no offense Brian. <laughs> yeah. You should not try and that. And then, then he becomes dean, then provost, then interim, yeah. and then president. I mean... And but the cool thing was is he's interacting with all the faculty that are there and the students and everything. Like you could tell they love him. Yeah. And they appreciate his leadership. That's cool. And you can feel the community like it, it was really a yeah, great community there. Yeah. Oh, we got to meet his fiance. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was lovely. That was yep. great. Just as wonderful. As we had, you know, we don't hurt about her. Got to meet and chat. Yep. She's dynamite. That was awesome. Yeah. Which was really great. He came and um, sat at the table with us at lunch. That was wild. Yeah. yeah. Taking it the was time cool. to hang out with the brass folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Hanging uh, always confuses Brian. It's in yeah. a school, you know, and it's, I that. get the vibe like the school is similar to my school, not nearly as Catholic, but right. It's, no, they're, uh, they're Methodists there. I was going to say because right. they're Methodists. Yeah, because yeah, they're Methodists. Yeah, they're in a different but, part of that. Uh, that was great, but that's yeah, I, I figured I'd touch on that in case anyone didn't, but that's not really what I wanted to talk about. No, of course not, because I talked so, about that. Right. <laughs> so Friday morning, morning of the inauguration, Brian and I are sitting there minding our own business, and everyone else is having breakfast. Yeah. Oh, when yes. Joey and Scott sleeping in like jazz musicians come down. I was practicing. Forget. Right. And he takes a load of stuff to the car. Because you get like a separate bag just for your shoes, don't you? Two trips. Two I trips to, two to trips. the car. I, and Brian I, I, was, I had to play five horns. Brian was like clothes. all over this. He's like, two trips to the car. Yeah, I what five horns and two two gigs. I did more than twice as much work than you. And, right. and three bags, one for the shoes. Well, <laughs> you got to have shoes. you got to have I shoes. I brought the very nice uh, uh, limited edition Jordan 1s for the Pittsburgh Jazz Orchestra night. And with very the nice. pink, pink stripes. They're of course nice. you of course. did. Yeah, you got to Joey, Joey was actually in a tie the whole day. I did wear it a tie because we agreed to wear ties. And I loved when it was impressive. dragging on and you're like, oh. <laughs> that was cool. The tie kept getting tighter I'm, and tighter I'm around your neck. still in the tie. Yeah. Didn't in the choir. We were sitting in the choir. I never thought I'd be sitting in a choir loft with Joey. With Joey? In a wearing tie. a tie. <laughs> and lightning wouldn't strike. <laughs> I kept moving over. That's right. You can't be too close. Right, so wait, you guys are at breakfast? What are you going there? Anyway, we're sitting at breakfast and Joey takes one of his trips out to the car with his garment bags and his shoe shoe bag or whatever. And he comes back in, and then he does the most amazing thing ever. He sets a trumpet case on the table in front of me and says, happy birthday. And I am stunned because I know in an instant what's in it. Brian was clearly confused. I thought he got a, a pea cornet. And I said, we're not doing this. <laughs> this is not going to happen. But you did, you did know immediately, and you were exactly right. I did not even need to open the case nope. to need to know that what was hiding in there was the old recording model trumpet that's been hanging on his wall at that IU. That is correct. Unbelievable. unbelievable. And Brian's like, well, what's going on? Well, how do you know what's in there? I was like, I know what's in there. He knew exactly yeah. what was in there. So, you know, after a long gratuitous hug and a thank you, <laughs> which I know a, he hated. Because I'm a big hugger. Because <laughs> you're such a social hugger. Yeah. That should be our calling. We should make sure that everybody hugs Joey hello. Right. And so Joey's like, look, you only turned 60 once. Yeah. Uh, something to that effect. But he knows. And again, thank you. Thank you. Because my first teacher played this horn, not this exact one, obviously, right. but but played the old recording model. And I have wanted one seriously more than any other horn my entire life. So, again, oh, no, you're more than welcome. It's a it's thank a, a it was great amazing. horn that has come into my possession that I have been looking around going, wait a minute. What am I doing with this? <laughs> Bill really wants one of these. He should have, have this one right like, here. Well, it's, amazing. what's backfiring on you, of course, is that I keep sending you these recordings every day. <laughs> no, the horn every sounds great. Day. <laughs> Listen to this. Thing, I Listen to sure this. being played well. well I, I haven't actually, I hadn't actually touched it in a while, so I made sure like everything's in working order, everything's still going. I played a little bit here and there. I'm like, this is a pretty good trumpet. No, it plays great, it right? It plays great, yeah. I mean, it's its own sound. It's a yep. very nostalgic kind of sound, you know? Yep. Uh, but man, alive, I love the thing. I mean, you're probably a little disappointed it still sounded like you. <laughs> well, that's what you you said that. I know. I'm thinking I'm finally gonna sound like George. Oh, oh. I sound like me. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Nuno Betancourt. There it is. <laughs> and Joey Ekman. Anyway, wanted to just put that out there, Joey. Thank you again because yeah. this is most amazing thing, man. I that's finally great. got an old recording model. Yes, as well. You need one. You needed that. 
had to wait to be 60 to get it, but and, I'm the, I've and, arrived. And N plus and one on. isn't just for bikes. Oh, right. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. No doubt. All right, boys. Well, it's game time. Uh-oh. No. And time for Tromba Trivia. We've not played Tromba Trivia in a while, and I we miss that not. bumper. I do miss that bumper. I, do, I like that one. That's a good one. It's, it's a really good one. And this Tromba Trivia edition is the West Virginia Wesleyan College edition. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. We're going down. We're, no, you guys, no I think shot. you're going to do well. <laughs> no, we're going to fold. I think you're going to do great. Oh, this is going to be terrible. Why would this game why? be different from every other game? We were just there. Sure. That's it's why. It's not going to help us. All right. I didn't read any of the plaques. <laughs> it doesn't go that deep. I didn't He either. went the wrong direction when we left the meal. <laughs> yes, he did. I walked out of the building wrong. <laughs> All right. Question number one. Question w- number one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should play something now. Um, In what town in West Virginia is West West Virginia Wesleyan College located? Ding, ding. That's Weston, West Virginia. No, Brian? No, that sounds right. No, it's not Buckhannon. Buckhannon's the next town over. That's where the hotel was. The hotel was in Weston. It's in Buckhannon. Oh, then it's Buckhannon. It oh, is I had Buckhannon. I got them both. But I had multiple choice. I oh, wasn't driving, so Buckhannon. I didn't have to worry about A, any of that. A, Weston, C, Buckhannon. B, Buckhannon, C, Buckhannon. Elkins, D, Boogerhole. I like Boogerhole, but I'm going Remember with Buckhannon. Remember that? Buckhannon. From an episode many, many moons ago. Yeah. Boogerhole, West Virginia is a real totally. town. Buckhannon, West Virginia. Buckhannon, West Virginia. Weston is right there. drive to the school. Yeah. But Weston's but, right there. But Brian, the whole time we were driving, he goes, I have got to move somewhere with some topography. <laughs> God, it is so flat where I live. It's but ridiculous. It's, but then it's it's also it's gorgeous there. Beautiful there. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's beautiful. Question two. Question number two. <laughs> I'm getting hungry for some snippets. <laughs> In what year was West Virginia Wesleyan College founded? Okay. M- okay. Multiple Wait, choice. I, I remember this. It's A. In, this is in his speech. 1900. B. Mm-hmm. 1890. C, 1972. D, 1963. Wait, none of those are right. One of them is. I thought it was 1906. No, no, no. Give us those dates again. 1900, 1890. I think that's the one. 72 and 63 are right out. Yeah. It doesn't mess with you. Look at the Google it. I'm not Googling. I'm writing them down. Because he is 20, that's about 10, that's 20, I think it's 1890. Yeah, it's 1890. I, yeah. Yeah. And if it's not, Dr. Moore is going to call us and correct it, but it's 1890. <laughs> Question, now he's Googling it. We're, I am. We're nailing I am, this. I'm, I'm going to look this up. because I think You guys I are am. all over it. It's good to know you pay attention when we travel places. <laughs> pay attention to anything you were driving i didn't have to i had to pay attention to your grousing the entire you time man checked out eight hours with a wagger in the car oh no, my found gosh it, the... founded in 1890 you're on it. there it is Here yeah. we go. okay i like traveling with brian because he's mostly vegan when he's on the road with me mostly oh oh, <laughs> oh breaking we to, news we went to burger king 
But well, you got an Impossible Burger there. That I wasn't did. it. Yeah. It was the three bags of chips we ate in my car oh, yes, driving we home. <laughs> yes, we Dude, did. we housed. Like, yes, we did. They were. <laughs> we just kept opening the next one. Yep, we I was just like, kept going. Do you want to stop for food? No, no, these Doritos are good. Doritos. <laughs> I, did have Doritos. I did have Doritos. Not but the we, Cool Ranch, which are vegan. No, the red ones, the original. We yeah, ate an entire one. bag of Doritos like in minutes. <laughs> oh, it did gosh. not take very long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. And then sour cream and onion chips, and then we stopped at uh, at Burger King. It was a really okay. healthy. Okay, healthy now couple days. now I'm hungry. Now right. right now, right now I'm hungry. Thank you for that. I do love Doritos. <laughs> oh All right, question three. Question number three. Thank you. You're and welcome. What are the colors of West Virginia Wesleyan College? A, a. black and blue. B, blues for red. C, <laughs> <laughs> nice. whites. White satin and purple rain, or D, orange and black. That's going to be D, orange and black. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. Orange Halloween and black. Colors. Yeah. We're in the middle of uh, of October, and it's orange and black. We're right there. And we got Halloween. our swag. We bought swag. We bought yeah. swag. Yeah. We had to wait about an hour in line oh, behind yeah, those three other people. Your credit card machine is on a dial-up modem. Literally. <laughs> yes. One of those oh, old swipers man. would have been faster. Much. Oh, yeah. You know, the with yeah. the carbon. It was pretty yeah. rough. All right. Question number four. Question number four. The mascot of West Virginia Wesleyan College is I'm A. All over it. I got it. The you... Bobcat. B. The Bible Hawk. C. <laughs> the Miners. D. The Potlucks. No, no, no. This is funny. Now I, they are the the Bobcats. So I, I ended up buying I ended up buying Deirdre uh, a coffee mug, which is exactly like the ones we got at Lipscomb, and she likes the shape of those. And right. She can be appraised. Yeah. On the back of them, it says Bobcats. Now, I've often made fun of her as I refer to her as the great paraphraser. She will say <laughs> the idea of something, but not exactly something. And you know me, yeah, a little, I'm sort of a little off person. the mark. Yeah. <laughs> so she she was using the mug the first day, then later mm. said, oh, we have to talk about that. Because when we put that in the dishwasher, the other one just kind of washed off. And that'll happen to this one. And I kind of like one that says Wildcats on it. And I said, it says Bobcats on it. <laughs> so I'm going to change, and I've got a little marker here. She's like, no, no, it's the same thing. I'm like, you're paraphrasing a mug you just used. Does she uh, so, mix her metaphors as well? No, she's good with that, but she she's mm. a paraphraser. So, yeah, she okay. even with that, so it is Bobcats. <laughs> so she might be the sharpest bulb in the knife drawer then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not <Okay>. rocket surgery. <laughs> it's not <laughs> rocket surgery. That's right. Uh, okay, one more question. Question five. Question number five. This is the final question All right. on Trumpet Trivia. Uh-oh. Number five. Who is the most famous trumpeter to come out of West Virginia? A, S.B. Belk. Oh, my. B, J.H. Moore. C, J.W. Flanders. D, J.B. Arbin. <laughs> <laughs> most famous. Yeah. Flanders is pretty famous. Um, Arben, I think, is from just a little east of there. Um, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a bit outside. Just across the pond. And I'm out. So, hmm. I think the books may have Dr. Belk's fame level I think slightly the above the uh, presidents there. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. I think we may I have mean, to actually go with Dr. Belk. He's a president, but I think. Yeah. Yeah. S.B. Belk. Yeah. Yeah. Both killer jazz players. The, the, sultan, of, oh the sultan of Slur. The Sultan of Slur. Again. That's Just right. Just look at the license plate. Exactly. 
Scott's license plate right now is Ohio Lipsler. That is the, his license plate. The Oracle of Overtones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Man. That was fun. Well done with Trauma Trivia. Time for a couple things. You know, you never really have to wonder what Joey's thinking. Yet, <laughs> here we are. As part two of our three-part series on pedagogy, we delve into the mind of our resident polymath, Joey Tartell. No matter what the topic is, he usually has wrapped his head around it at some level. And the range of topics, which he has considered in great detail, Ridiculous. is truly remarkable. To that end, today we present, I've given this some thought, Joey's pedagogy. <laughs> Wow. I'd like to say thanks, but I think that was an attack. No. <laughs> it was all all done with great respect. We have questions. Uh, all right. Well, you guys are fairly familiar. We've covered some of my stuff here before. But uh, for me, I want to start with I want to make trumpet playing easier and make it simpler. So that I believe because I truly believe everybody can play trumpet if they want to. So. There are really, in the broadest of categories, for my pedagogy, I come at it from this place. There are only two things you have to learn how to do. One, play the trumpet fundamentally well, and we can take that apart. And two, play music while playing the trumpet fundamentally well. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, what does it mean to play fundamentally See? well? See? Simple. It is simple. Exactly. It's just that simple. If you are... Here's, here's a funny side story. This is actually true. It was a few years ago. I was doing master class here at IU, and kids were playing some excerpts. And I said, you guys get so up in your head that, well, this one and 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 this one. Excerpts, you have to do two things. you got to play the trumpet really well, and then you got to make music on how that excerpt goes. You do those two things, you're going to do pretty well in auditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Cleveland Orchestra is visiting two weeks later. <laughs> Michael Sachs is giving a master class for all the trumpet players, and they're playing something. He says, I got to tell you, I've been on these committees now for a long time. Uh -oh. All we're listening for is somebody who can play their horn really well and make some music. Ding. <laughs> I mean, half the room turned and looked at me. And right. I said, I did not. We have not talked about this. <laughs> I did not pay him to yeah, say that. Mike and I talked afterwards. And he's like, yeah, of course. That's it. Yes. You know? Right. So it's not more complicated than that. Now, how to get there can be hard. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. So uh, let's talk about right. how to play the trumpet fundamentally well. That's step one, right? So I think there are four categories, as there are rules and there are categories for everything. <laughs> so there are four categories to play are there fundamentally charts? well. Can we get a card or something? Yeah, there's a card. You get points if you do this right. <laughs> how does that work? So, yeah. Your six double C is free. So, <laughs> <laughs> so your four categories are, are very, very simple. First, sound. You have to make a full and clear sound. And I use those words intentionally because they are quantifiable. Trumpet players like to talk about bright. They like to talk about dark. They like to talk about, well, I could have more like, you know, a little more green in my sound. And there's no way to quantify what that means. But I think I can pretty well demonstrate, show, identify, talk through, and help people get to full and clear. And what I mean by that is clear. There's no crap in your sound. There's no, no air, no anything, just sound, right? Exactly. No, no offense. And full means it's as uh, all we're hearing come out is sound. It's as much sound as is going to come out at every volume. Pure 
sound, and that's all. Now, you notice I'm not addressing bright or dark. Because right. these are things that are, one, harder to quantify and are variable. Because I think we can b all agree that if we're listening for a full and clear sound, that if we listen to, for example, we could take Esteban Bataillon, right? Principal in Chicago right now. I think mm. we can all agree he has a full and a clear sound. Yes. Every second of every Everything yes. I've ever heard him play, right? So we can agree on that. And I don't even Ridiculous, know. Him. I'm just yeah. picking him out because I, I think we all know who he is and he sounds amazing, right? We can probably also agree that Doc Severinsen has a full and a clear sound. Yes. yes. They do registers. not have the same sound. Correct. No, very different. Very different, and they're, they pursue different lines, and we're going to get to that. But if it's full and clear, it can work as a trumpet sound. Yes. So that's what you're looking for, a full and clear sound, and there are ways to practice that, right? Mm -hmm. So we yeah. can do all manner of different ways of approaching that. So that's step one of, of, of part one. Now, you also need clear attacks. No offense to you personally, Bill. But articulation. It cut out. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Articulation is <laughs> a part of this. And here's the trick question that I ask a lot of times every single year of master classes. I ask, what is the tongue's job on the trumpet? And I get all kinds of crazy answers from trumpet players all over the country. Usually that start with something like, well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it interrupts the air. And I often say to them, it might do that, but it's not its job. That's like asking you, what is your trumpet's job? And you say, to be a piece of metal. Now, it is a piece of metal, <laughs> but that's not its job. So if you're playing, your tongue's job when to playing the trumpet pretty. is to give notes a clear beginning when we choose. We don't have to use the tongue to play trumpet. You can True. air attack and slur like crazy. Right, Bill? Now we're talking. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so, and there are ways Everybody need can to, agree on that. to practice articulations. What, single tonguing, double tonguing, triple tonguing. You know, be able to play staccato or legato and tenuto and different levels of, of weight and on attacks. And we want to practice all of those things. But practicing articulations so that you do that exceedingly well is necessary to play the trumpet at a high level. So we've got a great sound. We've got great articulations. We also need great facility. Our fingers need to work. And this is why we spend so much time in the Clark book, right? Mm. So, yes. Um, yes. you know, the uh, and you could do this in a number of ways. You can use the Arbins book, you can use Clark book, you can use anything you like. But your fingers need to be moving so that they are coordinated in changing notes and that you can execute any technical passage that may come at you, right? You don't want to get to something and going, oh, no. 16th notes at like 172? Well, I mean, I can't do that. Well, that's a technical problem. That's not a musical problem. You're you're screwed before you ever try to play the piece. So <laughs> just to be clear, I downshifted forty clicks ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> At least. <laughs> so, but that facility that is important. You so you need to deep. practice that facility so that it is ready to <clears throat> go, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is flexibility. Uh, it doesn't have to be in this order. They just come out in this order. Flexibility to me has a very simple definition: the ability to change from any one note to any other note. The ability to move, right? So I think trumpet players often struggle with this because they think, well, if it's a large interval, that must be harder to do. Where if you <laughs> practice thinking, well, what's really the difference between like a low E on the bottom of the treble clef and an A on top of the staff? I mean, that's an octave and a fourth, but bum bum, you should be able to do that piece of cake. Like there, there is no physical distance between notes. Mm -hmm. so, so the idea that we think it's hard because it looks like a physical distance on the page is a huge problem in trumpet pedagogy. Yes. So there are definitely ways to practice that kind of flexibility, not just lip slurs, but large scale intervals as well. Right. 
Yes. So With those you. are those are my four big categories, and I want to practice those in the abstract. And this is the most important part of how I think about trumpet that's probably different than how a lot of people think about trumpet. I'm not trying to be able to play a certain job. Like, okay, I want to be, for example, principal trumpet of the Chicago Symphony, as we were picking on Mr. Bethion, right? So <laughs> that has a very specific skill set. That is uh, that you need to be at an unbelievably high level to be able to pull. He has even, all even, of those skills, and of course he does. Right, that's why he's in the job. Right. This is not what I'm trying to do on the trumpet, because on the other side of things, we could take a look at Doc Severinsen, who was leading big bands for decades on TV and as a big soloist. That also is a very specific skill set that goes with those things. Right. Mm -hmm. I decided as a very young man, and maybe this is just being naive, that what I want to do is play everything. <laughs> this is what I want. And I was told as a young man in high school, you got to make a choice. Do you want to be, in the terms I grew up with, do you want to be a jazz player or do you want to be a legit player? And maybe this is just my pure ego at the time because I'm thinking, well, hold on. I mean, I'm first chair in the youth orchestra and I'm playing lead in the jazz band and playing in the marching band and the concert band. I mean, I can do that at the high school level. Can't I just keep going? Because I was doing that at a good high school level all the way across the board. So I thought, well, couldn't I just keep doing that and do it as a professional? And here's the thing that people told me back then. They told me the answer was no. <laughs> and I, what I'm here to tell you is the answer is yes if you're willing to do the work. Because what I don't want to be is that uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I'm not interested in that. What I want is to be able to do everything the trumpet could possibly do at the highest level. Now, that may be literally impossible, but that's the goal. Mm. So my goal is an <laughs> abstract one. My goal is not, I want to be able to play double C, or I want to be able to play Tomasi, or I want to be able to play Petrushka. That's not my goal. My goal is, I want to be able to play anything on the trumpet. So obviously there's more music than I'm ever going to get to. So it's not literally a possible goal, but this is what gets me up in the morning. Because mm -hmm. I come in in the morning and I'm practicing how to play the trumpet on now 10 different horns every morning. <laughs> One of those is at least Brian's fault. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but that, though, that's all how to play the trumpet. Like I'm coming here and mm -hmm. I'm practicing making a great sound and great articulations, great facility and, and great you know, uh, flexibility on all of those instruments in, in different ways. So that, and this is where we get to the musical part of this. Whatever music I want to tackle then becomes a musical endeavor, not a technical endeavor. Yep. So if all you want to do is be an orchestral musician, I'm not belittling that in any way, or if you, all you want to do is be a jazz player or a commercial player, I'm not belittling that at all. I'm just saying that's not what I want to do. I want mm -hmm. to do more than that, which means more work, because that means the, the, the amount of musical practice you need increases. If you want to be good at more than one thing at a high level, you have to practice that more than one thing at a high level. So I think I'm at a point in my career now where it's it's pretty, I think I'm safe in saying when I'm playing lead in a big band, nobody's thinking that guy sounds like a quote unquote legit player. It's <laughs> a weird sound or when, for a piccolo. Or when I'm, or when I'm mm -hmm. playing a piccolo trumpet with you guys or playing in a brass quintet here at school with my colleagues, they're not going, eh, it's not bad for a lead player. 
that's not what's happening. Right. I have done the work and am continuing to do the work to actually be able to exist in more than one musical outlet at a professional level. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah, the level of work is something I think people don't realize about you. Right. So, but that that's the important part here is the technical part is the the lack for lack of a better term, the easy part. Everybody can do that. Right? You can do the work and learn how to play the trumpet. All of that is stylistically neutral. Right. The ability to make your fingers move that fast or be that technically proficient or have the range or sound, all of that is has nothing well, and not nothing to do with music, but all of that is the tools you use to make music. Hmm. Now, to make music and be stylistically accurate and honest then takes investing yourself musically really in that in a real way. And I'll give myself as an example, since we're talking about me today, as I grew up as a, you know, I was a good young player. Sometimes uh, old guys will tell you, oh, no, man, I was terrible when I was a kid. I didn't really figure it out. And most of them are lying. Right. <clears throat> you go back in there like, oh, no, he was in Allstate for four years and he ain't got a full scholarship. You know, I was a good high school trumpet player and I got into good schools and I was a good college trumpet player. I'll tell you the biggest hole in my playing back then was as an improviser. I would pass parts and get out of the way. <laughs> and I knew I was getting away with it. Mm -hmm. So I get into the Jazz Ambassadors. It was my first time I was the lead player. And I had, uh, you know, Tom Williams sitting next to me who just passed away. I, we talked about him a couple of months ago. Yeah. He was an amazing jazz player. So I'm like, you got it. And I love listening to Tom play. And Greg Reese was in the section. Love listening to those guys play jazz. They were great at it. So I didn't, quote, unquote, have to. So when I left the Army, what did I do? I went down to Miami as a jazz major. I thought, I'm going to invest. This is the time. I have not done it. It's time. So I went down and made myself as a jazz major start investing that time, which I'm continuing to do it uh, now, so that if I'm going to stand up and improvise in front of people, I'm not going, oh, crap. I sound <laughs> like legit guy trying to improvise. And no. And I, I think I've reached a point where that's no longer true. Well, I will do this in public. But it takes that kind of investment in any kind of music <clears throat> you want to be proficient takes a huge investment of your time, energy, to actually own that as your own. Yeah. I will tell you to this day, maybe the highest compliment I've ever gotten that I actually believe, because I don't believe anything nice anything says anybody ever says to me about my trumpet <laughs> playing, um, was, was this. I was living in Miami, and I started subbing with this group at a place called the Swiss Chateau, which is I think we've talked about before, the, the 1030 to 4 on the weekend gigs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the band leader didn't speak any uh, English, and I didn't speak enough Spanish other than numbers and food. So his girlfriend spoke with him and would translate. <laughs> he came over, maybe it was my second night subbing on that band, and said, he says something to her, and she turns to me and says, how do you know our music? Oh. And I looked, and I said, what do you mean your music? This is my music. And he laughed. <laughs> but it was like, okay, this guy's buying it. Like, I don't know their stuff. I'm reading their stuff, and I'm invested in this, and I'm invested in doing it right. Yeah. And he recognized that because he was like, I think he had had other people come in and kind of sub in and try and read that stuff and maybe not be stylistically honest or, uh, or invested enough to really pull that off i'm like yeah. okay i'm doing this right it's important well, i think what this has done for you though and this is a great feeling when someone says you keep getting better every time i hear you you're better or yeah. you're better than you were five ten years ago whatever it was i mean for as long as we've been hanging out 
well, zero in on the jazz playing because your trumpet playing across the board is great, but your jazz playing has changed in the a time lot. that we've been yes. hanging. Out. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Can, right. Can yeah. You talk about a little bit of just like how much you do per day on the jazz thing. I think um, this will this will confuse people. Okay. Yeah. There, as always, there are rules. So, um, <laughs> what I realized, uh, I, I've had a lot. I, I grew up with a lot of great friends that are jazz musicians. So I just started asking them what they do and what they did and what they did and what they did, and taking just stealing all their stuff. That's what we do. Yeah. So one of my smarter friends said, "Listen, it's really pretty simple, and I like anybody that starts that way and means it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just need to get, you know, once you once you have a you have a firm knowledge, and there there's some theoretical knowledge you're going to need, there's some fundamental knowledge you're going to need, and there's some stylistic knowledge you're going to need. And once you've gotten to a certain level, um, and that that takes some time to get to that level. Sure. Now once you're at that level, um, you need a tune to go. You need a tune going all the time. So here, here's, the, here's essentially the setup anybody can use. Starting, You could start today if you want to start doing this. Find a tune that you can play, like a, a jazz standard that you like and you can play. And then find somebody who's recorded it and, and you like their solo. And you listen to that until you've got it memorized and you can really sing it, right? Now, meanwhile, you're learning the head. If you need music to learn the head, that doesn't really bother me all that much. If you need music to learn the head and the changes, there are people who disagree with that. They're like, learn everything by ear, including the changes. Sometimes that's hard because sometimes the re- changes on recordings aren't the standard changes. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't mind learning the melody and the changes from music, but learn the improvised solo from the soloist. Yeah. And once you've got that memorized, you can sing along, then get your horn out and really try it and learn that. Right now, as soon as you start that process, you fi- you figure out what your next tune is going to be. So, what you want to do is be able to play the improvised solo right along with the soloist, so that you've got if you've got headphones on, you got one ear on, one ear off, you're right with them, and you can barely even hear them because you're playing it. You got it. The, every mm-hmm. nuance of what they're doing. This is where you steal not only how they're playing and what they're playing, but the style of exactly what they're doing there. Right. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So once you've got it to that point. Then see if you can find a play along and you can play the entire solo without them exactly like them. Then it's time to move on to the next tune. And mm-hmm. then you start the whole process of the next tune. So I just always have a tune going. And you just, mm-hmm. whatever you like. There's no rules. I, I did know one jazz trumpet player years ago who insisted that you actually have to go in order from, you know, Louis Armstrong all the way through. And I'm like, that's crazy town. You should <laughs> yeah. just pick what you like. Um, oh, where it's accessible, right? But like it, Brian yeah. is saying, this is every day for you. Yeah, every day, a, a little bit, thing. A and little it's only a little bit. bit. It's like a little five, bit every day. It's like five, ten it, minutes. It might be five, ten minutes. It might, if I have some more time and I'm really getting in, it might be twenty. But mm-hmm. it's just a little bit. But it's a dedicated part every single day. And it's it's every day. Yeah, no compromise. Right, just does it every day. The same way, like if you wanted to be a classical soloist, right, and if that's what you were really invested in. And and you were gonna and the, like the first time you're really gonna perform the Haydn or the Hummel, and you weren't living with it in that kind of same way. You're just doing it wrong, right? Right. Yep. yep. It's just how yep. that works. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Right. So the, I mean, uh, overarchingly, I mean, that didn't. Uh, we still got some time, I guess. Yeah. But that's so that's, that's the fine. big picture, right? You want to invest yourself technically, and there, and that's what I do in the morning when I come in here, and then invest yourself musically. So my days are set up, and I, I'm lucky, right? We've talked about this a lot. We're trumpet teachers, like we've got <laughs> the best jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. So I come in at seven in the morning, and that's step one. That's the fundamentals of the trumpet. 
right? And I do them on all the different horns because I want to be able to do anything that comes up on other horns. This weekend's a perfect example. We didn't have to play a ton, but I play five different instruments, and it wasn't really, I didn't think about it at all because it wasn't a thing at all for for you. Yes. Right. That's that's normal normal. for me. And then uh, part two, I teach during the day. At the end of the day, I've got actually a pink music stand that my seniors gave me a couple years ago when they graduated. <laughs> they swear they bought it pink. They did not steal one and paint it. That's what they. And I'm choosing to believe them. But I have music. The music on that stand is the music I'm practicing. And then I get musical practice in in between lessons and at the end of the day. And then boom, I can go home and maybe watch some basketball. That's great. So, question about the uh, you used a term and I like. I like the term, but I want you to talk more about it, and that is uh, the concept of stylistically neutral in regard to fundamentals. Oh, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. I, I, I know what you mean, but yes. I, I just want you to talk yeah, more l- about l- it. Let me, let me make sure that that is perfectly clear. Thank you for that. The Clark book is not a classical trumpet book. The Arbin's <laughs> book is not a classical trumpet book. And, well, uh, the, the, and the no, they're both cornet things. books. <laughs> oh, wow, you were so. I walked right into that. Your oh mouth was open. God. Your mouth was wide open. Right, when, but when you're when you're playing technical studies, I mean, yes, you should be playing them as best you can, and you want to be playing them in a manner that is musical. But they are not classical or jazz or pop or Latin, they don't have style built into them on purpose because they are building a foundation from which you can put style on top of. Now, they could be. They could be. They're kind of universal donors in that, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But that's not to say that you're not not playing them unmusically. No, I I just said you want to think musically when you're playing them. Right. Yeah, you're still thinking of making a line while you're playing. Outstanding. Yeah, but you're I still just, doing leading. When I've heard you play them, you're still playing note leading to the next of note. Of course, yeah, that's the appropriate stress and all yeah. that right. stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But the idea that, you know, Clark II, right, one of our more, more famous studies, you know, people have taken that one well, and turned it four. into all, all, all in, into different things. I will kill you. <laughs> but, uh, but the idea that, you know, by itself isn't, isn't anything stylistically. And right. you can play that musically where it's still essentially stylistically neutral. Because I, I do this with sound as well. I've done this in master classes where I will say, listen, a great sound can be stylistically neutral. For example, and I play a C. And I just play a third space C on B flat trumpet. And I said, okay, is that a jazz C? Is that a lead <laughs> C? Is that a classical C? Which mm. is it? And yeah. I will demonstrate because someone will inevitably answer. Well, I mean, that's more legit. So I'll use it <laughs> as the beginning of a standard. Mm-hmm. And if they say, "Well, no, maybe that's for jazz," and I'll use it as the big, the first note of the uh, first move of the Hindemith, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, even a, even a great sound like, I, I mean, I just sat in the Cleveland Orchestra last month, and this right next to Mike Sachs, right? I have absolutely zero doubt in my mind that if he had grown up and thought, you know what, I really want to do, I think I'd like to be a lead player in a big band, or I'd like to be a jazz soloist, mm-hmm. that. The foundation that he already had would have made him just as successful as he is now doing that had he yeah. just chosen a different stylistic path. Now, right. he liked playing in orchestras, so he went and pursued playing in an orchestra, and, well, he's been fairly successful at that. It's not bad. <laughs> but the sound he's got works anywhere. And right. listen, 
I uh, I remember hearing, especially I mean, especially Byron Stripling, right? We hear him as a soloist now mm. mostly, but I remember hearing him as playing lead trumpet in the Basie Band, mm, and thought, yeah. okay, let's just take him and put him in the back of any orchestra and say, now play this. That sound works anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Great sounds, you know more often than not are universal there are exceptions there are people with very unique not very unique unique's not a comparative there are people with unique sounds that only really work in one place right he corrected himself no i yes. was not gonna i caught, yeah. I caught myself <laughs> the very unique for i knew he I wasn't i didn't want to get gonna letters. zero back and i don't, don't yeah. want to get letters circle back yeah yeah I, th- that's helpful, and I I just wanted to clarify that because I think it's yes, thank you I think it that. could be really helpful from a physical standpoint too because you're not necessarily trying to overcook or any or overdo anything when you're doing these studies. You're trying to make them as clear and as simple and as clean as possible without Absolutely. a lot of other baggage. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm trying to make the the trumpet make sure the trumpet sounds as great as as I can make it sound mm-hmm. uh, uh, from a technical aspect. Because then any music I go to, that's the foundation. Because then I'm just thinking, how do I want this to sound? Where do I want to make this go? And not, can I get through this? If you open up a piece of music and think, okay, how the heck am I going to get through this? You have work to do before you even started that piece. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I told the story before when we t- back when we dissected the thing on here, because I'll never forget this experience, <laughs> right? Like, we, we go to your place, and we're hanging out, we're doing the thing, and the plan was then in the after, you were going to teach a bit, and Brian and I were going to do absolutely nothing, which we excelled at. <laughs> You're good we, were, at that. we totally nailed that part. <laughs> and then in the afternoon, we were going to open the folder and work on, play things for each other that we were working on, and I was getting ready for a recording. And yeah. I remember after two days of doing the thing at, you know, like quarter note 176 and whatever else and Clark uncovered Clark studies that no one even knew existed. <laughs> right. Uh, and, but I remember the feeling I had when I opened the folder and went, oh, uh, well, it's, it, uh, it's the big note songbook. All the notes like, look different. Everything looked like the Roy Super Clark big note songbook. Much easier. And this is how I, I first started conceiving of it this way when I first started teaching little kids. Because what I was worried about is the trumpet player ego, right? Right. Because, you know, we're problematic in this sense. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to make bit. sure I was trying to deal with that as well. So what I told these kids as they came in, most of them sixth graders when I first started teaching, I said, here's what we're going to do. You listen to me. You do everything I say. And here's the thing. When you go into band... They're going to think you sound amazing, and they're going to think you're doing great, but we're going to know the truth. (laughs) Everything I do in my practice room, I want to be essentially more technically demanding than I'm ever going to need so that when I'm playing music in the real world, it's like, oh, I mean, I can do this. And then people mm-hmm. are like, oh, you sound good. And then, of course, I don't bother believing them because I come into my practice room and I know what I'm still working on you know the and truth. still going on, right? So what I've told my students is to overstate what I want is when you're outside of this room, outside of your practice room, I want you to be confident. I don't want you to be cocky, but I want you to be confident that you can do the job and you sound good doing it. Now, when you close the practice room door, I want you to know that you suck you know, <laughs> as an overstatement. Yeah, because I, that, that's the place where you go. Okay, all right, I'm doing fine. They all think I'm good. None of that really matters. I'm working on. This is what yeah. I'm mm-hmm. working on. This is what I'm working on. Yeah, and that's be willing the, to go to, to be willing to go to that place because that's where the development happens. Absolutely. When, you, when you're in the midst of the struggle, right? Um, I wanted to say this too because I this is a fun part about hanging out with you with the, the, 
in the pedagogy aspect of this and this sort of think tank that we all have together is that this is the part of that I think that energizes you when you're teaching is that convincing part, the discovery part. When you put someone in position to realize that it isn't as difficult as they thought it was, yeah. now I'm, you know, no one here. No, no, obviously, <laughs> no, obviously, but obviously I'm just not, saying, not for, us. For example, right? I just actually to just t- just today, <laughs> just today, to uh, one of one of John Rommel's students is like, hey, I've been meaning to get like he's gonna get a lesson, and he's working on uh, the first move. Uh, he's working on uh, oh, he's working on Peskin, right? Yeah, and he yeah. comes in, he sounds really good. But there's that one thing that uh, at the end, it comes down, bing, to a low C and then an F on top of the staff. Mm-hmm. And we talked through a couple of things. And he's really, he's a very fine player. And, uh, and then he plays, he goes, huh, well, that hitch is gone. <laughs> Between that low C and the F mm-hmm. on top of the staff, because he's like, bomb, bing. He's like, well, that was considerably easier. <laughs> 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 exactly, because we were talking about what if it's not hard? I mean, th- this is the question I ask a lot of times because students and professionals often will get to the place of knowing what's hard and difficult. And what I'm saying is, what if you're looking at it wrong and what if it's absolutely not? Right. Well, that is an interesting part when you meet somebody and they say, I can't do X. And you say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's what and he said to me. convince them that's true. That, that they were absolutely wrong, that they the, can actually do that thing. The, that morning I was like, that was, you just played up to a double B flat, right? He goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't have that note. He goes, okay, well, that's ridiculous. the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. Get your horn out. I'm like, no, 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 get your horn. And five minutes <laughs> later, what happened? I, I squeaked one out. Yeah, yeah you played a double, played B, a double B flat. There it is. But yeah. th- that's the part of it. What, what I, the reason I bring that up, I think, is to... Like for all of us, it's great to kind of step back and remember what is the thing that makes you jazzed about teaching? Why? What is the thing that you love? And I think this is the thing you connect with most or is most evident in your teaching is you love to show someone that they are capable of doing this. Yes. And that's yes. Awesome. I absolutely believe everybody can do it. And I'm at a place now where, you know, a lot of students coming here are already already very, very good. And so they're like, yeah, but yeah, but I'm like, what are you talking about? Like they don't realize right. how much they've already got going. Right. Yeah. And if I That's can cool. pull that curtain back a little bit and have them go, oh, boy, right. I'm happy to help in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to ask this, too, because in talking about the music part then, right? So we get yeah. the fundamental thing all and we know how that works. And I, I like to think of it as the thing basically touches all four corners of your playing. Like you yeah. encompass everything, right? Okay. Yeah. So what are you doing these days? Because you get to play so much stuff and you're so active playing. What's informing your musicianship? What are the things that are, you know, making you think about the way you're doing that part of it, the musicing part of it? Well, that's the interesting part. I mean, I get to do a lot of different stuff. So the freelancing part of it um, always does a little bit. So going to play with pops orchestras is always really, really fun because it's you never know what you're going to get. And you're sitting next to some you're sitting always with really fine musicians. Yeah. So then even even when the orchestra may not take it all that seriously, and there are some orchestras that take it more seriously than others, the (laughs) pop side, I take it really seriously. Like, this is what's important to me. And then the time we get together with Trombone, if we're going to do some stuff, what are we playing and how are we going about that? Or uh, if I've got some solo things coming up uh, this weekend, uh, the brass group here is we're doing the Bama Sextet. So Mm -hmm. that's a whole different chamber music approach than we're dealing before. Uh, and then when I'm doing some big band stuff, you know, Steve Ali's band's getting ready to do a recording and we've been doing some like once a month gigs. So having that performing is always 
almost almost like a check-in of am I practicing well enough because can, can I still make music and do this? Because what I'm doing here in the practice room, uh, recently it's been kind of fun. People have been sending me their books. Hey, check this out. Check this. Tell mm-hmm. me what you think mm-hmm. of. And I play every note in those books. Mm-hmm. So one sometimes of the ones, several times. Sometimes a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, but one of them, uh, uh, our good friend down at Texas A and M Kingsville, right? Uh, Kyle Milsa. Yep. He's written yes. some low etudes. And so he gave me the book, and I'll, so I'm, that's one of the things I'm just reading through. I just play one or two of those every single day. Like, I'm going to read that down as a sight reading, as a music making, as a how am I doing sort of thing. So right. I'm always just looking for new stuff to tackle and new things to go at. Well, I would say, too, there's something. I mean, you've, you've on several occasions now, got to sit next to, to Mike Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, that's influencing. That, yeah, right? the cool part of the I last mean, concert was, uh, it, you know, it was 100 Years of Disney, so there's one part of Fantasia where the orchestra is just playing Firebird for about five full minutes. Right. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the middle of the Cleveland Orchestra. At Mike, he was very funny. He said, uh, I'll take this one. This is more my skill set. Uh, which is <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's like, great. Gee, you, uh, you think? So I'm <laughs> sitting in the middle of the Cleveland Orchestra playing fire, or they're playing Firebird. I'm like, okay. There is Best no seat better the seat. There is yeah. no better seat than sitting next to the principal <laughs> trumpet player as he's just laying waste to that in like the best way possible. Right. It was great. Right. Absolutely. Very yeah, cool. Hearing the other people do that. And this is one of the reasons I love going to the festivals, going to the national trumpet competition, going to ITG, is to sit in front of world class musicians and going, mm-hmm. man, what are they doing? <laughs> Which is great. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, all of that you, informs you, all the way, all the time. Can you talk a little bit about how the thing translates for your students? Um, I think you're it like very, in different ways. You're, you're very delicate about how you do that. Yes. Because it's a lot. It's a lot. And I, I'm never telling a, a students walking in, you need to be here two hours every single morning playing all your different horns. I don't say that. Right. What I do say is, here's what the concepts you should be working towards. Mm-hmm. You, you should be working towards hitting all your fundamentals, and I do think that's a, a, a first thing of the day whenever your first practice session of the day is so that you can be really focused on music when you get there. While And again, I don't think of it as a warm-up. I think of it as a practice session because it really is honing skills. You should be looking to get better and better and better and better and better fundamentally so that music is more and more and more and more accessible. So I'm not saying you have to do what I do. Literally, I'm saying I hope that you are doing what I'm doing conceptually. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it, it is a heavy lift, but I think I think using it as an example that you need to have a structured approach to yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. And modify it in any way, but the, but the structure itself needs to exist. That's the important part. Absolutely. You know? And that's that's what I think that was the impact on me immediately, like was, wow, I'm caring for all these different parts of my playing. Mm-hmm. And even if you go with Joey's list from today, which is sound articulation facility and flexibility, and you yeah. came up with something that just within that daily accounted for something within that list, then that's a great shape. structure. Yeah, you Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like that you said was, and just to circle back to this quickly, is that simple doesn't mean easy. Right. <laughs> the concept is simple, but this is time. This is real time and effort and, you know, not just physical effort, mental effort. You've got to really want this and go for it and, and keep going for it and stay at it. Because I will tell you, sometimes I, I look around and see the people in my age group that have made it, I'm like, are we the good ones? Or are we the ones that just stuck with it? 
<laughs> right. You know what I mean? We're just the ones that right. just didn't quit. Go like, yeah. I'm going to go yeah. do something else. Just you know, outlasted like, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it really does take, it takes a lot of work to do this well and do this right. But I like that work. And if you hate that work, maybe this isn't what you want to go do. And I do think sometimes that's part of our job is to show our students this is what it takes to be at a professional level. And if they say, I'm not interested in that, there's no judgment. That's fine. But also some of them are thinking like, you know, there's some students that show up are like, well, I mean, I like band. Maybe I'll just be a trumpet player. And (laughs) not realizing it's more than just that. There's a lot more to it than that. And if you don't want to do that, then you want to find something else. But if you do, oh, I didn't know. Okay, now I got to get going. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Can you also also address what happens to us as we age? Because we do have some listeners who are older and and who are like, well, I I mean, you've talked about this, too, about Mm -hmm. what what they're doing just doesn't work for them. They think, well, I just don't play that well anymore. And you're like, well, no, what you've done doesn't work that well for you. You have to retool. Yeah. And, And. the aging process, well, the physical part will absolutely take a toll on your trumpet playing. This is why I practice the way I do, because I want to push that off as far as I can. And using somebody like Doc as an example, as we're watching him <laughs> in his mid-90s going, okay, so, all right, so mid-90s is still accessible. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> but there are people who are like, oh, you know, I pick up the horn, you'll play a little bit, and uh, it, it seems to run into some problems. Uh, the older you get, the harder that is. Mm-hmm. You've really got to be dedicated and 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 uh, organized and and really mean it. You got to go at it on a daily basis, or or it's just not going to work consistently for you at all. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah, that, there's no yeah. way around that. And even those who are professionals who are might use their gig to sort of keep them in shape, <laughs> that runs out too. Yeah. Like if you're sitting in an orchestra or a big band and you guys play a community band and you play enough where you're like, yeah, I'm doing fine, I'm doing okay, your clock is ticking. Mm. And it's yep. going to get to a place <laughs> where you're like, well, it, it, worked, it used to work a lot better than this and I used to be able to play this and it's going to go away because you're not doing the work to keep yourself even level, which I don't think is a thing. I think you're always getting better or getting worse. So if you're not practicing, you're getting worse. If you are practicing, you have a chance of getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the commitment, right? The yeah. consistency of it. Absolutely. Because yeah. we all know it doesn't take but a day or two to start to have it just start to evaporate. Yep. Totally. It starts going backwards. You know. Yeah. Uh, then then just... you notice, oh, man, hmm. I know I had to miss <laughs> a couple of days and my response is, uh, it's not really, I'm not quite, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then it, But it's a long way back. Right. To even, for sure. All right. Well, Joey, as always, of course, very succinct. It's hard to, you've clearly given this some thought. I've given a little thought. <laughs> a little bit. It's very organized. All right, Anything boys. Anything else time. anybody wants to know about, he's glad <laughs> he's given that <laughs> that's some thought, too. Well, I'll yeah, do yours uh, next week as well. Uh, so. Thank you. I, I know we talked about this on here before that when we were up in, in Durango, Colorado, and we're talking about, you know, you just, there's rules, there's a list. He's got to give it, he's giving it some thought. Yeah, student, we're like pick anything, and the kid's like, used car, and Joey's like, all right, here's the thing. <laughs> and he goes, oh my god, that was interest awesome. rates versus the warranty. But you got to think about that, you know, like <laughs> what you got to know is <laughs> what you're gonna know is this. And then uh, the kid bought the car. Yeah. So, all right, boys, time for no offense. Uh, 
again, if you've not considered what defines your pedagogy, you're doing it wrong. It's okay if your ideas vary from ours. I mean, that would be wrong. But still, you should at least, <laughs> you know, you should at least know what you believe and have some reasons to back it up. The goal here isn't to make it more difficult. Listen to Joey. The goal is to make it more simple. If you're not doing that, you are doing it wrong. And let's be clear. If you have not given this at least a little thought, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> totally doing it. I know lots of times there's that, oh, no, you don't want to think. You just want to play. And that's true when you're on stage about to perform. But to get to that point, you better give it some thought. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love hearing about it. No doubt. Brian, it, did it you is, take notes? I took notes as usual. I, yeah, I did. I took notes, too. Yeah. Of course. And then I'm, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to practice. <laughs> Exactly. Is it still practicing if I just sit around and play the old recording model for two hours? <laughs> yes, it all it counts. Well, all counts. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and approve it. It all goes in the bank. <laughs> Emotion yes. approved. All right. Exactly. Well, that should about do it for today. Stay tuned. Tell your friends and neighbors. And hey, how about giving it some thought? So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.